ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. We find the defendant guilty. I want to play the 911 call for you because I think the public should hear this. Uh, when I heard this, two hours after uh, it, was, it was made or recorded, I should say, um, it just didn't sound right to me. And I thought we had uh, something uh, unusual on our hands. So, uh, Linda, go ahead, please. 911, what's your emergency? Yes, I'm calling about a domestic violence call. Hey, hello, there's someone breaking in my house. Help! What's the address you're at? Help! Cut the, the recording off right there because in the next second, you could hear five gunshots ring out in succession. Uh, by her own admission to the officers who arrived at the scene just a few minutes after this, uh, she discharged her weapon until she had, quote, no more bullets. And now her story was that uh, she had been running some errands and she was uh, going back out to her car to run some more errands. And uh, a silver car pulled up, a gentleman jumped out of the car and jumped in her front seat with a knife. Uh, she said there was a struggle that ensued. She was able to knock the knife out of this guy's hand. She jumped out of her car. She runs through her garage while he pursued her. And then she further said she was able to get inside the home, get inside her bedroom and barricade herself while the suspect followed her inside. Uh, that's what you heard right there. Um, we came to find out that that was a lie. Uh, that never happened that way. Now, it happened, but it was scripted. Uh, there were several things that came about uh, that really caused us, and when I say us, I mean them first and then us later as we reviewed uh, everything, to question immediately this story. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Hey guys, welcome to part two of the Pam Hop case. Yay, part two. I'm suspensed and I'm ready for more. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we just dive right in? I mean, damn, we're 16 seconds in. We might as well just do it. We might as well just do it to them. Okay, mom, we'll do it If them. you guys haven't listened to part one, yeah. please do. It sets up this whole entire part two, obviously. But it just kind of gives you more of the backstory of this part. And I think you guys will really enjoy all the yeah. twists and turns. Maybe if you need a little refresher. True, true. Well, Betsy Faria was murdered in cold blood in her home on December 27th of 2011. Meanwhile, the investigators automatically assumed that her husband, Russ, was the killer. However, Betsy's friend, Pam Hupp, had so many different, like, outliers of what mm. happened and very suspicious, but the investigators decided to just avoid using her as a suspect, even though she was the sole beneficiary of a $150,000 life insurance policy for Betsy. There's your update. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want the, the gritty details, go to part one. Go to part but one. that's just your little refresher, so now let's fucking figure it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% sure that it's Pam. 
But you haven't conclusively said it, so I'm going to let you tell me. Ooh, are you guys ready? I'm ready. All right, so now we're going to start part two on August 16th, 2016. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of years later. I'm going to skip ahead. It'll all blend together. Sick. Well, on August 16th, 2016, a 911 dispatcher received a call from a woman in distress. This woman was refusing to get into the vehicle and begging for her life. When the 911 dispatcher attempted to kind of send help, this is when the dispatch heard five shots being fired. Oh no, that's so fucked. Mm -hmm. Also, there was a smoke alarm that started sounding. (gasps) Now, once police arrived, a 33-year-old man was dead inside of this woman's home in Missouri. This woman was also the caller. She described the events that took place, stating that this man climbed into her SUV with a knife, held it against her throat, stated that this man demanded that she takes him to the bank to get Russ's money. Whoa. She also described being so shocked and terrified for her life, and she also stated that she was able to fight this man knocked the knife onto the floor, paving her way to escape. She also stated that she was able to run through the garage and dashed into her master bedroom where she kept a 38 revolver on her nightstand. She kept telling the police that this man kept going after her even after several warnings. And he came at her like a madman. Oh my God. The caller was, of course, 58-year-old, Pamela Huff. I was going to say, that sounds mm. very like Pammy. a story that she... This sounds yeah. very Pammy. <laughs> oh, you know, just Pam. Uh-huh. But of course, she was questioned and released after her statements. Bro! How? I'm already pissed. How? Sorry if you hear some ruckus. <laughs> but damn. Mm-hmm. So just as you thought the story was just about Betsy's murder... You'll soon find out that it has all of the following. Are you ready? Oh, no. Elaborate schemes to defraud multiple cancer patients. Oh, no. A probably fake lesbian love affair. What? A probably fake letter from the murder victim herself. Oh. A pair of spurned children. Wait, what does that mean? Just, like, wronged children, basically. A mysterious fall from a balcony. A retrial. A likely serial killer. What? Identity theft. And a staged murder scene, which unintentionally turned a crew of Dateline producers into participants (gasps) of a case that they have been porting. Damn. Lots of twists and turns in this tale. Um, wow. Mm -hmm. So... Now I'm going to actually take a pause on all of that and go into the backstory of Pam. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I need to know what <laughs> who the hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where you'll start to see some connections here. Okay. Okay. Pamela Newman Hupp. Newman is her maiden name. Mm-hmm. Hupp is her married name with Mark. She grew up in an orderly Catholic household. Oh, no. In Delwood. She was the third of four kids, and their mom was a school teacher, but their father was a union man who worked for decades in the Union Electric Company. Now, Pam would ride bikes with her friends. She also was a Christmas caroler. She occasionally skipped Sunday school, but for the most part, she was straight Catholic. Mm. Just 
doing all the Catholic shit. At Riverview Gardens High School, she was also described as this bright blonde cheerleader known with a laugh that was just unstoppable. Pam was always ready for fun. Her friends also recalled that she had no moodiness or drama. There was no talking behind people's backs. She just kind of wanted to stay away from all of that. She was very mature for her age. LOL. <laughs> Little do they know. Little do they know. <laughs> her grades also couldn't have been higher. She was getting like A pluses on Damn. literally everything. Even one of her friends also said that she was boy crazy but never really acted upon it. By senior year of high school, she actually made a real catch. It was this boy who was very soft-spoken and well-liked throughout high school. He was also a member of the soccer team, golf team, and National Honor Society. Damn. Literally everything. They also went to their senior prom together. However, three months later, they had to get married. Oh, no, she got pregnant, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She found out she was pregnant and was having a little girl. Oh, God, life ruined. There it is. <laughs> yeah, Pam's mom was not happy about the pregnancy at all, but Pam did the responsible thing and just decided to have the baby and get married and be a mom. Damn. Now, even though she, of course, did the responsible thing and got married and all of that jazz, her friends also kind of sense like, resentment Mm. she didn't want that life this isn't what she pictured it got taken away from her yeah yeah everybody else was caught up in the world of college well there she was sitting in a cheap apartment with a husband and a baby while her friends kind of just described this as the boring period in pam's life it's kind of sad honestly yeah now this marriage lasted six whole years damn however soon after her divorce literally soon after her divorce this is when pam married mark oh so she still had no time to live exactly he was a quiet easygoing guy who also played minor league baseball for the texas rangers however he didn't get drafted so he fell back on carpentry they also gave pam's daughter a little brother oh and in 1989, this is when she moved to Naples, Florida. Now, they also returned to Missouri in 2001, and they started flipping houses on the side to make Mm. money. So that was kind of what he decided to do with his carpentry. Oh, yeah, yeah, skills. Mm -hmm. At this time, Pam also took a clerical job in a state farm office. And guess who she met there? Betsy? Betsy. Damn. Betsy was the first person who kind of introduced her to the State Farm people. She was kind of like, yeah, her first friend. Now, Betsy was 11 years younger than Pam. She was described as warm-hearted and bubbly. However, she was scatterbrained. So she just, like, kept forgetting everything. I love me a Betsy. Mm, Same. Now, even though Betsy, she was 32, she looked like a greeting card illustration, and it was described to me as a round face, curly hair, pink cheeks, bright blue eyes, and she was also a part-time DJ. So she was described as somebody who can just persuade anyone onto the dance floor and have a great time. Pam also liked to party too, but she was far more like Mm self-contained. She was described by their bosses at State Farm as mature, logical, steady, and clearly 
underemployed. Oh. She was just too good for the job that she had. Damn. Mike Bosher, who is kind of new to management, was their boss. And he stated, she was the first employee in every morning and we spent 10 or 15 minutes talking. However, she had very good insight in human nature wise. She was a positive person, very level-headed. I never saw her mad. She was a bigger pitcher, and she always was adept to office politics. She kept me in line, and I loved every conversation we had. That's so scary. Yeah. That's scary. However, Mike, their manager, also stated that not everything added up. And this is a direct quote. She always told me that she was involved somewhere like the FBI, Something with security clearance, kind of in the past, but maybe still ongoing. I was like, she's just letting it dribble out. And then I was like, I can't say anything. Hmm. So she was making up lies to Uh boast herself, kind of? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. I think so. Or she was just so out of her mind that she generally thought that the work she was doing was for the FBI. That's possible. Now, there is some weird things that also kind of, I guess, transpired, Mike. He stated, an employee came in one day and told all of us, which was probably me, Pam, and maybe one other person, that she felt bad about not disclosing that she got insurance money for a new roof, but didn't put one on. She pocketed the money. However, two months later, I received a letter from a guy who bought the house she sold asking if this was true. He said he'd gotten a letter on my own letterhead with my signature. (gasps) How did that happen? I have no clue. Pam fucking Mm -hmm. forged that for what? Ding, ding, ding. For what? Just to get that girl in trouble? Star drama. Oh, my God. It makes her... Look better. Powerful. Yes. Look better in front of management. Make like her feel she's not a liar. Yeah. She's, you know, she's perfect Pam. Also, around this time, employees' cars were also being keyed. Bro. And so were cars in Pam's neighborhood. Dude. But not Pam's. That's just so mm. fucking stupid. Yeah. And Pam's neighborhood was kind of described as like normally safe enough for an episode of like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Like what that's the- how like perfectly placed everything was in that neighborhood. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, that subdivision was also new when the Hups moved in. And most of the couples there were kind of, like, younger or just starting families. Oh, my God. Yeah. What so a dick. I, I can't imagine somebody just, like, keying cars in that area. But for the most part, both the Hups, so Mark and Pam, they kind of kept to themselves. Mark was quiet, but, you know, he did some talking. He also was hunting deer. He lent hands to neighbors. He was just, he he kept to himself, but if called upon, he was there for you. Yeah. Now, Pam could be a bit of, like, a troublesome meddler. So if anything were to happen between the, like, neighbors, like, drama or anything, she was always the first person to kind of get in between them. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. And she only really socialized with family. But, of course, if something broke out between the neighbors... That's when she started socializing with them. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Ew. Neighbors also recalled a few odd incidents at the time, like a pile of bloody animal bones left in someone's yard. Excuse you? Several mean-spirited anonymous letters. Bro. And a few other random weird things of things missing, being destroyed, 
stuff like that. But those are the, like, ones that really stuck out. Uh, yeah? Clearly. Yeah. Dude. At this time, though, people just kind of shrugged it off. And in retrospect, they kind of wondered, but it didn't go anywhere. Now, Pam and Betsy also lost touch for years. But of course, when Betsy learned that she had breast cancer, this is when Pam decided to offer some support. When it looked like Betsy had beaten the cancer, this is when her and Russ decided to kind of plan a celebration of life cruise because this was before they found out it was terminal in November of 2011. Damn, Mm. right before? Right before she thought she beat it. Oh. So the cruise was set for November 2011, but of course, as we learned in part one, that in October, the month prior, that's when Betsy found out that her cancer spread to her liver and it was terminal. Mm. So they just decided to go on the cruise anyway. I would too. Mm -hmm. I would be, oh God, thinking of stuff like this just makes me so sad. And as a surprise, Russ decided to arrange one of her very few bucket lists it was like one of the top dreams on her bucket list to swim with dolphins (gasps) and he arranged for that to happen why wouldn't anybody think Mm -hmm. he killed her i i don't know that's so sad but yeah so and they also invited a few like friends to come with them as like you know a celebration of life still Mm -hmm. even though they knew it was terminal they wanted one last hurrah yeah, all together. Absolutely. Pam was not a part of this group. Yeah, because she's not a close friend. Mm-hmm. But she spent almost every day with Betsy when she returned. And of course, on December 22nd, this is when she went to Betsy's tennis club to watch her play. And then the very next day, she and Betsy went off to go to the library to witness the signature on the change of beneficiary form. And this is where it removed Russ and replaced Russ on the beneficiary note with Pam. How did she smuggle her way into that? Do we know that? There is not a lot of, I guess, stories or articles on what she said because in reality, like, it was literally just her and Pam. Like, uh, Betsy and Pam. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally, just based off of everything that I've read, I honestly think that she was trying to persuade to Betsy because she's going through cancer treatment. Like, she's going through chemo. Like, you don't feel good. You lose your hair. You're weak. You're kind of, like, in and out of consciousness a yeah, lot of are. times, too. Sometimes you're delirious. So I think... Pam might have just kind of slid into her mind thinking that Russ doesn't deserve your money. You should give it to somebody who's actually there taking you to chemo, actually there helping you through this time. It's just, I definitely see that side. It just makes me wonder, like, when it, I don't know. I get it, yeah. Like, I just don't understand how, like, somebody can just swindle her way. How does she got so deep from not even being close to her? Mm -hmm. If you remember all of, like, damning evidence that you kind of heard in part one, kind of describing both, like, Pam and Russ's whereabouts and actions of the day of Betsy's murder, I'm going to tell you right now, Russ was sentenced to life plus 30 years imprisonment in 2013. Are you fucking serious? Mm-hmm. After Russ was sentenced, him and his lawyer Schwartz decided to constantly appeal and overturn the ruling. Good. In February of 2014, 
This is when there was a dispatcher who was involved with the same unit, not mm-hmm. necessarily the dispatcher that had Russ on the phone for mm-hmm. Betsy's murder. It was that dispatcher who kind of replayed through all of the calls. Ooh. And that is what eventually led to an acquittal. Ooh. So they granted the retrial and set it for further proceedings. Nice. Now, during the process of the retrial, which was led by a different judge, change of venue, change of everything, it was also revealed that Pam, in the process of the retrial, not the first one, yeah. nothing to do with the first trial at all. Pam implied that she and Betsy were in a sexual relationship. And this is when Pam suddenly remembered that Russ was also involved with another person. Whoa. Right before Betsy's murder. Dude. It was also stated that Pam mentioned that the murder of Betsy could have been in a fit of rage after finding out about Pam and her. However, Pam also stated that Russ was also having numerous affairs, according to Betsy. However, all of this proved that Pam now have even more of a motive, yeah. per se. Yeah. It didn't really go... It didn't help her. Yeah, it didn't help her at all. She thought Good. it was kind of helping steer the direction towards Russ and kept him there. But in reality, it was more than just the insurance money that was pointing to her. Yeah, it's like, okay, so now you're having an affair with her. Now you're... Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. sus. So Russ's conviction was finally overturned in November of 2015 after months of retrials. Now, because of this unwarranted conviction, Russ sued the officers... Hell yeah. ...involved with his case and got a $2 million <gasps> wrongful arrest settlement. Oh, Uh huh. Now, in addition, the judge who was the first one in the trial, mm-hmm. he was officially suspended without pay. Damn. Due to the actions, along with four other cases that were also <gasps> reversed by the appeals court. Holy shit. So this guy's like, I don't care anymore. I'm just yeah. going to not mm-hmm. do my job. The prosecutor was also voted out of office. And because of this, Betsy's case now was officially cold. Damn. Mm -hmm. Well, better than him being in jail. Well, Schwartz, which was Mm -hmm. Russ's lawyer, um, Schwartz begged the U.S. Attorney's Office not to have this case go cold because he wanted to formally charge Pam for the murder. And he even mentioned, I want to do this before somebody else ends up dead. However, it was still left cold. Now, it's just important to know that this story is, like, still ongoing, even today. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of updates, and we'll get into that later. But, of course, since it's technically unsolved, the current local prosecutor is trying to still change that today. Damn. Yeah, there's been new documents and information about the case, and they're still kind of being released. However, if you thought that we're stopping there, you're wrong. Oh no, what happened? Uh-huh. What also happened in 2013 was the death of Shirley Newman. That's her mom? Yep, <gasps> Pam's mom. Oh no! She was found dead in her home on October 31st. <gasps> Halloween? Spooky day. 2013. Uh, no, she was not. Shortly after being dropped off by Pam from the hospital. Of course, making Pam the last person to see Shirley alive. Dude. uh, Girl. Girl. 
the tea. Yeah. Hot. Now, when police found Pam's mother, she was dead on the ground below her balcony at a senior living facility in what? Fenton, Missouri. And the railing on her balcony above was broken. She was okay. 77 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's fucking horrible after two police investigations the medical examiner's office recorded shirley's death as an accident stating she fell through the railings to her death bro however a month later the police received an anonymous tip stating that pam murdered her money or murdered her mom over money (laughs) i jumped right then i was just (laughs) so excited to get to the money part guys (laughs) damn But yeah, they received that anonymous tip stating that Pam murdered her mom over the life insurance. However, Pam reported that her mom was still worth like half a million and she can get all of that money when her mom died. So she wanted her dead. Mm -hmm. In 2016, detectives attempted to subpoena the location of Pam's phone at the time of Shirley's murder and also attempted different forensic testing, but they were unsuccessful. Damn. They kept being blocked by other, I guess, stages of the investigation. And in 2017, Shirley's cause of death was officially changed from accidental to undetermined pending investigation Mm. they finally were able to open it damn Mm -hmm. the last known action of this case was actually in 2018 stating that the prosecution can no longer present evidence no further charges have been sought after but it's not closed however of course august of 2016 this is when news broke that pam had shot a man the man from the beginning of this podcast. And seven days later, this is when she was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Who'd she kill? His name was Louis Gumpenberger. Fuck yeah, it was. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we like Louis. We love a we good love old Gumpenberger. <laughs> now, Pam told police that he tried to assault her, demanding Russ's money. She also said that he yelled at her saying that he was going to kill her, and this is when she ran into the bathroom for her gun, which we know from the beginning that she actually ran into her bedroom. She didn't run anywhere. Uh Uh-huh. She recanted her story of running to the bedroom to now the bathroom for her gun, and when she saw the bedroom door open, that's when she advanced and emptied the clip. Lewis might have seemed scary, He was actually in a drunken car crash in 2005 where he smashed his skull against the steel and it left him childlike. He was permanently brain damaged. Bro. He was also described as very soft-spoken, although occasionally frustrated. He was just unable to really process the complex emotions because of his brain injury yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. at 33 he limped his left hand was completely useless it was Mm -hmm. kind of like limp he didn't have enough money to amputate it so they just left it there and he only left his mom's house alone for short walks in the neighborhood he was not allowed to go anywhere else without adult supervision oh wow however less than 45 minutes before the 911 call on this day, Pam's cell phone had pinged in the same neighborhood of Lewis's. Okay, why? I need to know 
why she's there. Well, she told police that after some thrift store shopping, she stopped by her daughter's house, which is like two miles away from his house, from Lewis's house, but no one was home. Mm -hmm. She also stated that she didn't know anyone named Russ. What? Okay, Pam, you literally made fucking headlines, girl. We know you know. Yeah, but if you remember in part one, she makes it so convenient to say that she has memory problems so that she can lie about every single thing. Uh-huh. Although, when interviewed a second time, this is when she finally remembered, oh yeah, Russ Faria. Oh my god. On August 23rd, so this is, you know, like, probably a week later, the police and the prosecuting attorney decided to announce the theory of the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They believe that Pam lured this man to her house by saying she was a Dateline producer. Whoa! Offered to pay him to reenact a 911 scenario for the show. What? How does she know him? Then she shot him in cold blood to throw suspicion off on her to Russ for the prior murder of Betsy. Oh my God, she made it even worse. Mm -hmm. She made it good for her for making it worse, but also like an innocent life is taken now because you're so fucked up. Dateline had already aired three episodes on Betsy's case and also had plans to do at least five more just covering everything. This was also noted that there was more coverage on Betsy's case than at this time any given case except for of course OJ Simpson's. Damn. That's how big the Betsy case was. Holy crap. Which I, I'm like I had, no I, I had no idea either. I probably heard of it yeah. but we were also. I, I mean think, yeah yeah yeah. I wasn't really into true crime as hardcore <laughs> as I am now back when then. we were too. <laughs> yeah, too much stuff going on. The U.S. Attorney's Office had also started like gathering information to review and in mid-July This is when Russ filed that civil lawsuit against the police. So he was all over the news. Damn. So July. August. August. So -hmm. she saw him on the news and she's like, I need to like do something quick. Because that's when she found out that he had been released. Oh. And the case went cold. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Fudge. So she wanted to do this to kind of keep suspicion on Russ. Oh my god. Saying Russ's money. I need to get Russ's money. Yeah, now Russ is out of prison. Mm -hmm. He hired this guy to come get his money. To hit, to either get the money or to kill Pam. Yeah. Yeah. But now that Russ is out, he was the one who did this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now the civil suit against the police officers and the prosecutor, it was just basically about like that they had fabricated evidence and ignored exonerating evidence and failed to investigate other obvious suspects, which was Pam. So this is, it was announced in the news that that was the sole reason why. So when Pam heard failed to investigate the other obvious suspect, that's when it hit her, that she needed to do something. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Dude, she scrambled. Now, what broke Lewis's case was the revelation that six days before Pam's 911 call, a woman had filed a police report about a troubling incident involving Dateline. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... 
mid-morning, a blonde woman introduced herself as a Dateline producer and offered her $1,000 to reenact a 911 call scenario for the show six days before Lewis was murdered. Oh my gosh. Of course, the other woman said yes at first, but then panicked because there was no Dateline business cards and no camera crew. (gasps) That's so smart. Mm -hmm. So she changed her mind and just kind of bolted and drove home. Now, this footage was also found on like a home security camera, which eventually showed Pam's gray (gasps) Nissan Maxima. The one that was in the driveway. Yep. Damn. Mm -hmm. And the license plate was clearly legible, (gasps) and so was her face on camera. Okay, Pam, you're out. Okay, Pam. (laughs) The day after Lewis's shooting, Mark Hupp carried a white garbage bag out to the SUV, his SUV, but it included Shirley Newman's will, Betsy Faria's death certificate, whoa, transcripts of Pam's police interviews, Russ's first trial transcripts, what, some t-shirts, okay, flip-flops, a 1099 tax form, that's important because it was showing Betsy as the recipient of the life insurance money. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there was a yellow sticky note with bank account details for several relatives. Dude. All of which she had swindled money out of by knowing that they're undergoing some cancer treatment. Holy fucking the evilest person I've ever met. Now, what they also found in Lewis's pocket was $900 that was double bagged in plastic in his pockets. And the serial numbers matched bills that were also in Pam's possession. Oh. Yeah. Like the line So why, why would somebody come and kill you but your money's in their pocket? Exactly. Whoa. Mm-hmm. There was also a handwritten note in Lewis's pocket that told him, kill Pam Hupp in order to get rest of the $10,000, but to first take her to the bank to get Russ's money and leave it in a wood pile at Faria's house. That's Bro, what the sticky note Nobody's said. going to write down murder instructions <laughs> on a fucking sticky note and give it to you for you to fucking execute. Right. right. Yeah. Dude. So the police actually interviewed Russ about this because if his name was named, you have to. Well, you would think that you would have to. Apparently, they didn't fucking do shit for him in the first trial, but whatever. You would think that they would have to. And the last detail of, like, the written note kind of confused him. He was like, I did not leave that note i have no idea what you're talking about i don't even know this lewis person at all i've also, never met him he just won two million dollars like why would he be trying to even do this anyways mm-hmm. he also recalled that his dad had some landscapers in the front yard around the same time of this murder mm. days before and he wondered if pam drove there to check it out and russ's sister remembered that their neighbor's security camera had her nissan maxima in it so she drove by russ's old dad's house dad's house dad's house wow august 2016 right after pam hub shot and killed lewis gumpenberger she voluntarily went to o'fallon missouri police to tell her story i just want to find out what's going on with all these people coming Detective Kevin Mountain was one of two officers who challenged Hupp. 
she obviously believed that she was going to pull one over on us. I hit his arm with the knife and then shot out of the car and ran inside. Hupp claimed Louis Gumpenberger attacked her in her driveway. He goes, you go, we're going to the bank, we're getting Russ's money. And he started getting all agitated and excited. They soon learned Russ was Russ Faria, a man wrongfully convicted for his wife Betsy's 2011 murder. Faria was exonerated in 2015 after it came out in court. Hupp had a motive to kill Betsy. She benefited from the victim's life insurance policy while trying to frame Russ Faria for Betsy's murder. Now here was Hupp again pointing the finger at Russ. She claimed Gumpenberger was dropped off by a squealing car. She described the driver. When he started to whip around, I, all I saw was like a dark dome, sorry, but um, short hair like you. Right. Short, maybe not quite as short, but it was dark. It appeared to us that she was trying to describe Russ Free as being the driver. While Detective Mountain was interviewing Hupp, more than a dozen other officers were finding holes in Hupp's story. They found Hupp bought the supposed attacker's knife at the Dollar Tree, along with a notepad and pen used in the fake ransom note. Investigators traced Hupp's cell phone to Gumpenberger's home, where she picked him up. And they found surveillance video revealing Hupp attempted to kidnap someone else days earlier. All the hours that we put in, uh, to, to, to get to the truth, and then to, to know that the whole time she was not being truthful with us. Mountain says he will never forget how Hupp described the man she just murdered. He was getting all excited, and he was, uh, I thought he was drunk or on drugs or something like that. And that haunts me because it clearly just didn't mean anything to her. The detective says Hupp did tell the truth at one point when she described shooting her victim in her home. And I just started shooting and walking towards him. I wanted to be sure I hit him. Because everybody kept saying that's a little gun and blah, 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 and I couldn't really close. So once that door opened and he was there, I just started shooting and walking towards him until I didn't have him on. It did not appear to me that she had, she was in fear of Lewis in any way, shape, or form. Hupp spoke to detectives for nearly four hours that first day. Detective Mountain said she continued talking, hoping to convince police of her story. For the Fox Files, I'm Chris Hayes. Now, about an hour after Pam was arrested for the murder of Lewis, mm -hmm. she stabbed herself. <gasps> Where? She drove a pen into her neck and into her wrists as a suicide attempt. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So the psychologist that kind of just described this event stated that it was consciousness guilt because she realized that what she had done there was no escaping so the only practical thing in her mind was to just end it all before confessing damn but she survived <laughs> oh my god and in fact it was also stated that this was to distract from reopening betsy's trial and having her be a suspect dude you made it worse I know. <laughs> you made yeah. you drew so much insane attention, attention to, yourself to yourself that it was like oh, unavoidable. Now if you were to see her mugshot, oh, no. she is like it you can see like the patches Ooh. on her neck. Oh, I can't wait. But she has like a grimace like smile on as well. She looks Ew. crazy. She looks like she knew what she was doing. Dude, she's so in depth. Like everything about her is very deep, but like yeah. in a in a really yeah. dark way. That's yeah. why I can't even. Mm -hmm. And the photo kind of <sighs> looks somewhat mocking. Yeah. It when you see it, guys, and I'll make sure I post that specific photo as well on our Instagram. But you'll just know instantly that she just looks like this vile woman. She honestly, if that was all that happened in her background, why is she this horrible? Yeah. 
<laughs> like what? Like I was expecting I like some insane abuse or no. something trauma, but it was really just because she was uh-huh. just bitter that yeah. her life didn't go exactly the way that she wanted. Yeah. Reality check, bitch. We all don't know what our life to go a certain way, okay? Yeah, right. I would have had a PhD by now, but <laughs> you know, now I just got a master's, so <laughs> I guess we're stopping there. <laughs> Gonna go murder someone yeah, now. Yeah, I'm time to go on a murder spree. <laughs> Jesus. Um, for legal reasons, I am not going to murder anybody. Yeah, for legal reasons, this is a podcast that we're just funny. <laughs> it's a com- For legal reasons, this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, awaiting trial for a first-degree murder, Pam continues to, of course, maintain her innocence. Yeah, she did oh, nothing. Yeah, but she was later indicted by a grand jury in December of 2016 and was set at a $2 million bail. Damn, what's a dangerous woman? <laughs> <laughs> now, she did plead not guilty in 2017. However, she eventually pleaded the Alfred guilty plea, which is kind of like, you you take this and we'll try and lessen, for mm-hmm. the most part, in June of 2019. She was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. It was also later revealed that Pam told her husband that she only pleaded guilty so that her family wouldn't have to witness an ugly trial. Dude, again, now she's trying to be like a martyr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Betsy's daughters also appealed the civil court judge's decision to allow Pam to keep the insurance money in 2016, but they lost the life insurance battle. Oh, that's so, so stupid. Why? Pam was able to keep it. Ugh. Because legally, the beneficiary was changed over and witnessed. Russ did, of course, as you heard, won his wrongful conviction lawsuit and was awarded those, you know, the $2 million in March of 2020. Damn. Lewis's mom also filed a lawsuit with a goal to prevent Pam from potentially making any money from this murder. Good. And she also prevented any book or movie deals in the future. Damn. She won. Good. Also won $3 million. Oh! Now. My dog is looking at me. She's like, what the fuck, mom? She's like, we get it. It's $3 million. (laughs) Sure. I'm also going to leave you with this last detail that happened literally on Monday. So on the 19th of October. What the fat? Are you ready? Yeah. News got out that Mark, Pam's husband, yeah. is filing for divorce after yeah. 26 years. <gasps> we love a Mark. 26 years 26 being years with in- that. I really hope he finds a hot little thing. <laughs> <laughs> One that owns a yacht. You <laughs> One that owns a yacht and likes to have fun new bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm like in my shook to my core. I bet that all my Missouri friends, like, know this case probably. Oh, I'm, I mean, probably. That's so crazy. It's huge. Bam. Yeah, that's Thanks for that. sharing the debauchery. That <laughs> is Pam. Yeah. Spam. The, the shit show of Pam Hop. The shit show of shit spam. Uh, of sham. Shmam. 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 Ma'am. <laughs> Pam. <Wow. laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That's bonkers <laughs> i also really want to know if you guys enjoy two parters with like a bunch yeah. of information or if you guys enjoy like maybe one really big fatty of an episode <laughs> let us know because we have a few cases in mind that are very packed so yes and they might 
have to be a twofer, but if y'all don't like it, we can try and figure out something else. But, yeah, this was my twofer for these last two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Follow us on the Vile Files pod on Instagram and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Peace out.